Welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Gavin McHale, who is a performance coach now, but he also has a hockey career, grew up in Western Canada, right around Winnipeg, Manitoba, played his junior hockey in Western Canada. Um, And now he's doing some amazing things in working with um, successful people, entrepreneurs, and what an episode this was. We learned a ton from it. Before we do get over to Gavin, though, let's bring on another talented person, in one Jeffrey J. Hulavecchio, the talent of the podcast. Vex, what's going on today? Oh, man. I've had enough protein to choke a small child today. I'm having a great day. <laughs> Remember, I always used to say, I just slammed a protein I just shake. murdered a egg and cheese and whatever. Uh, I would I had never 93 say eggs and yeah. Protein. protein. Oh, yeah. Like the old Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. The protein. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a good day, man. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet. Did I talk about that I'm working with um tph st louis did i talk about that i yet? think so yeah did i yeah this is my third week with them and it's been awesome it's been really cool they uh phil mccray the the head of the st louis tph and he's also one of my former uh clients when he was a pro hockey player he's just doing such great things and and the kids are awesome and and the older groups are so dialed and so like wanting to be in there and work and have fun and put work in every day so that's it's uh it's been really, it's been a really fun experience so far. And and so I was there today and, you know, it's just awesome seeing kids who like, after being on this podcast with Gavin and, you know, going back, thinking back about different things we did growing up to try and get to that next level. Like we're talking about Gavin, did we have any regrets, stuff like that. It's just really cool to work with young kids and try and just influence them to always make, you know, decisions based on what they tell you their goals are, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I feel that. like I feel like when you can go back and work with some like even younger kids, like as we're so used to working with yeah. you know elite elite athletes, but then when you get down to the basics, the fundamental nitty gritty stuff with like kids yeah. who haven't learned it before or haven't heard it before, and you see like their eyes widen, like oh wow, like yeah, I want to yeah. do that. That's so yeah. Cool. And so, something that I do all the time, especially you know, I do it all the time actually, but with these groups of TPH, you know, once a week, I'll probably be like, I just stop the room and I'm like, raise your hand. If you want to play juniors or division one college hockey in here, or even pro hockey, everyone raises their hand. They go to a school for hockey and I'm like, okay, so if those are your goals, I'm going to hold you to those standards of what we need to do to get to those goals. And then when a player is doing something or, you know, whatever, have, you know, being a donkey and I, did you raise your hand? Yesterday, when I asked, do you want to be a division one college hockey? You raised your hand, right? Okay. So then if you, that's what you want, this is what you need to do. You know, and it kind of like immediately, I've never had that not work on a younger player, you know, like to get them to refocus or whatever. Um, and that's, it's always fun working with younger players that, that you can snap them out of it or snap them back into it and like refocus. And for me, that's just, that's always really fun. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I am in a rink right now in the city of Chicago, working with the Chicago Jets uh, team and doing some team building here today. And yeah, Chicago Jets, Kent Allen. Yes, what absolutely. a beauty! If you're listening, love you, bro. 
<laughs> big time, big time. And a one uncle Timmy, uncle Timmy, Scott, do you guys remember any of our newer listeners? I don't even know if they can go back far enough to hear the uncle Tim episodes, but man, if you haven't heard it, not everybody agrees with the things Toph and I think. And, and uncle Tim's one of those guys with some things. And, uh, for our first probably like 100 episodes that was one of our like most downloaded episodes and we got the most feedback emails uh, dms oh man yeah. a lot of uncle tim hate mail uh but also <laughs> a couple uncle tim tire pumps i'd say the ratio was skewed slightly um but if anybody remembers that love to love to have you uh shoot it shoot me a dm because it's always fun to reminisce on those if you want ut back on the podcast also Always good to have different opinions here. So if you want Uncle Tim on the podcast and you're an OG listener and you remember those epis, hit me up because that'll give me some uh, fuel to get him back on. Yeah, I love it, man. No, it's good. Like I I spent, uh, you know, I spent some time last week in Las Vegas, actually doing team building with UNLV. They have a CHA division one club team out there. Um, that's in the running to win a national championship every year. Unreal. And then, um, had the chance to go to a Stanley cup party last week too. So I've talked about him before on the podcast, Will Nickel, who was my coach in Chicago for the steel. When I was playing junior hockey, he is now the director of player development, um, for Vegas and man, like dude, what a guy. I mean, Where did he go guy, after the steel? He was in Washington with Capitals. So he went and from so the steel was, right to the Capitals? Uh, I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. Um, and then worked his way up, worked his way up. And um, he's been a day one guy in, in Vegas and and just does an unbelievable job. And you know, him and I have kept in touch for a long time. And I've talked about him on previous episodes. Just like when you care that much about people, you're going to have success. And I don't think I've ever met somebody in my life who cares about people more than Will Nickel does. And that's why their development for their program is so unbelievable. Um, he just does such a good job of making sure that they feel like they're a part of it and they're a golden knight through and through. And just he does so many things to let people know that they care. And and the fact that he invited me to a Stanley Cup party um just means the world to me. And so got to take some pictures, got to take my dad up there. So my dad was up there with the cup with me too, and got to see some people I hadn't seen in a while in the hockey world. So really, really cool. But then just kind of like what we were talking about, like being at these, you know, college team building and then Stanley cup party and meet, you know, being around all these high level people and then getting the chance to come here, it like refreshes you working with the young youngins. And um, it just, you know, it kind of ignites a, a different fire. That's pretty cool. That's so true. That's awesome. What are the odds over under your dad cried at some point during the Stanley Cup party? I don't think he did. I no, don't think he really? did. Yeah, no, I don't think he did. Um, okay, okay. But knowing my dad, maybe he like went to the bathroom and had a little <laughs> had a little cry for himself. I odds are high. Put it past him too. So he uses his own tears as lotion. <laughs> 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 Love you, you be a big softy. Um, but what about this episode, man? Like this was an unbelievable episode, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously I knew that you were, you were real excited, uh, that you were getting a, a browner to, to bring on, uh, somebody that works with, with, uh, with Craig and, and Gavin didn't disappoint. Unbelievable guy, unbelievable guy, like love his mindset. Great speaker. Um, pretty cool. Like just through and through, this was a great episode. 
A hundred percent. And if you haven't listened to our episode with Craig Valentine, like that's something you got to do. Like his episode that we did with him was so unbelievable. And I just think that it's like, it, it's changed a lot of the way that I do things. It's changed the way that I structure my day. It's changed the way that I think about how to be proactive and, and think about how to set goals and stuff like that. And so if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that and and listen to this one with Gavin here too. And it's it's awesome too that he has a hockey background. So, right? so we're talking about how things relate from life standpoint to hockey standpoint. And I feel like that's the whole crux of what our podcast is all about. We're trying to empower people and and give some information and bring on guests that can make you better and give you perspective and anything that you do to, to help you be the best version of you. And this was definitely one of those episodes. What do you think? A hundred percent. I also love that you just used the word crux in a sentence so, <laughs> so efficiently and effectively. And I was like, wow, that's a word that... I don't hear in my daily life that you're <laughs> such a Cornell guy. That was awesome. But yeah, back to Gavin. Unbelievable episode. You guys are going to absolutely love this. Uh, definitely check him out on, on his social media too. Um, I've looked through his stuff before and, and he's putting out quality information. He said he's getting back on that train, putting out more info to help more people too. Absolutely. Well, before we do get over to Gavin, we got some people to thank. First person I wanted to thank is John Lousbury and Gelsticks, gelsticks.com, the title sponsor for our podcast. Go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, and use the coupon code THINKTANK, one word, and you will get a discount on your weighted training sticks, golf clubs, lacrosse sticks, whatever is your fancy. Jeffrey Levecchio, what do you got? And if you know Lounzi, somebody please tell him he's got to work on his triceps, okay? It's, (laughs) It's true friends tell people the truth. So if you know Lounzi, just walk up to him and say, hey. You got to work on your triceps. I'm a real friend. So anyways, I also want to thank Train Heroic. Train Heroic's the app that I house all of my online training. Um, this year, I'm training University of Alaska Fairbanks Division One. They got themselves in a pinch with some visa issues. Uh, so I'm training their team online this season, right? Uh, Lawrence Division Three, NCAA, Boston Hockey Academy, their 18-16-15 team. The Mercer Chiefs, Junior A team, Ironbound Elite, Girls AAA, uh, Maryville, uh, Wisconsin Windigo in the NAHL. Uh, I've had multiple other teams and organizations, even down to the youth level, reach out to me in the last week or two about helping them with their in-season training or at the very least uh, working in a consultant position. So if anybody out there is looking to actually add a bunch of value to their players, I can help. Okay. I'm doing that through Train Heroic. So I just want to say thank you to Train Heroic for being a sponsor. Also, want to thank Cure Nutrition. Cure Nutrition uh, is the CBD company that I'm with. I take CBD twice a day, every day. Um, they actually just sent me some CBD caplets, which are awesome. You just pop a little caplet, helps you sleep, get your CBD very easy. Um, I also do the dropper during the day as well. So if you're looking to get some CBD, check out CureNutrition.com. My discount code is GMBM. Boom. And thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the greatest website for all your coaching education needs. Thousands of drills, whiteboard explanations from some really high level hockey people. You can get this for your entire association by looking up the associations tab where every coach and every parent gets access to ice hockey systems and what an unbelievable value that is your coaches can share practice plans together your coaches can share drills together you can build drill libraries for your entire organization through what your coaches are doing and also for the parents 
have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So hockey directors and coaches out there, guarantee you this will get less phone calls from the parents if you get this. So uh, icehockeysystems.com. And we have a new sponsor as well, which is Helios Hockey. And Helios Hockey is an unbelievable tool uh, that helps players, parents, and coaches get immediate feedback after games. So it's a sensor that you wear in your shoulder pads and what it can do, it can do things um, like provide performance data, like balance, speed, agility, explosiveness. They have this hustle score where it shows your hustle for the game, which is a really cool tool. It also paired this with video. So we're always looking for ways to better cut video and stuff like that. Well, this does it automatically for you. So not only is it giving you data on your performance, but it's giving you the real-time feedback from a video standpoint as well, where now you don't have to fast forward through the whole game to see your shifts. You get your shifts pretty much instantly right after the game. So Helios Hockey, go to helioshockey.com and this is an unbelievable product. So another unbelievable guy is Gavin McHale. What an unbelievable conversation this was. He's an incredible performance coach. So without further ado, here we go with Gavin McHale. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is a mindset performance business coach. He's also a hockey guy as well. We have Gavin McHale. Gavin, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I I was excited, you know, got introduced to Jeff, and then I found out it's the hockey think tank. And I was like, oh, this could be trouble. We could be here all night if we're not careful. <laughs> That's typically how it goes. I love it. Yeah. Um, but your background's in hockey, and we'll, we'll obviously get to what you're doing now. But good Canadian boy from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, let's take it way back and talk to us a little bit about how you fell in love with the game. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting story that I think we'll probably dig into more. Um, I, I really fell in love with, uh, what the game gave me. Uh, I was, I was good. I was a good hockey player. I was a good goalie. I wasn't a very good player. And what I realized was when I do this, people like me, you know, I can make friends. I, you know, the girls liked me. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, you know, I was making my parents proud, all these, all not these things. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> all these, all these things that I recognize, like, you know, oh, this is my ticket to be, to be a cool kid. Right. Um, and then you just fall in love with the competition and with fall in love with, um, you know, trying to be better than yesterday. And, and I think there was a time where I really loved it. And unfortunately you know, as we'll get into in my career, it just, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, which I think there's some lessons in there, but that kind of like, it beat it out of me a little bit, how much I, you know, how much I liked it. So I, I fell in love with it young as any Canadian kid kind of got into, got into the whole thing, um, you know, playing on the outdoor rinks and all that. And, um, and then you just, you just kind of fall into the rhythm of it. You know, it's so easy to fall into the rhythm of it as a Canadian kid playing hockey. So for sure. Well, let me ask you this because especially as a performance coach, you know, you, you said you went from a mindset of kind of like playing for the external validation, you know, so yeah. people will like me, make yeah. my parents proud, stuff like that. And then it went to more internal stuff. Like I love to compete, love to play. How did that form? And like, how did it kind of like, um, you know, maneuver your mentality of what it meant to be a hockey player and why you love the game. So I think, yeah, like, I think it was both to start. 
I really did love the game. I love playing, you know, mini sticks with with my buddies in the basement, watching Rock'em Sock'em, all that stuff. And then it kind of, you know, as the as the 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 levels rose and I started making the higher and higher levels, that's when it kind of became more the external validation. And um and that probably happens a lot with a lot of kids. Well, like and this is this is the thing. I notice it. So when I've coached kids in junior, even as young as, you know, 12, 13 playing like rep hockey or playing triple A hockey, your entire identity gets wrapped into your performance in this sport, you know, and that's a dangerous road to go down. Uh, I think, I think it's a, it's one of those that, that just ramps the pressure right up on like on, you know, there's already enough pressure. But then you add in the fact that your entire identity is wrapped into it, and that becomes a real problem. And I think that's that's part of what happened for me as well. So I, we have a lot of kids, Gavin, that listen to this po- uh, podcast, and I completely agree with you that that's a problem. Like in your experience, and then in what you do right now, being a performance coach, like why why is that such a problem to have your entire identity wrapped around being one thing? There's a many reasons. I'll I'll try and make this make as much sense as I can because I know when I, you know, if I was a young kid listening to this, I would have needed to hear this and I want to make sure that it makes sense. So the the most important thing that I forgot is that you're a human being first. You know, you're 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 a kid, you're uh, uh, a son or daughter, you know, your friend, your whatever. Now I'm a, I'm a husband, you know, all these things, right. You're a human being first. And it's so easy to get, you know, a lot of people, this happens with business owners and, and very successful CEOs and things like that. You get wrapped up in what you do. And when that happens, um, I still distinctly remember, I think this is best explained in a story. I distinctly remember a time I was playing senior hockey. I was like 25. My my career was done, just playing with the boys. And I played a terrible game. It was like a Wednesday night in like small town, Manitoba. Last place in the world I wanted to be, middle of winter. And we come off after the game and, you know, the guy goes to the cooler to pass out the beers and he's just like, hey, Gav, you want a beer? And I just remember sitting there going, he seriously just offered me a beer. Like I just played like garbage for 60 minutes. And this guy offered me a beer. Like he still likes me. And that's when I realized like, okay, this isn't about this whole like identity. I couldn't believe that he still wanted to offer me a beer. I couldn't believe that he still wanted to like be my friend. And that's when I realized like, I don't need to identify Like this isn't my whole identity. And I think there was, that was a big moment for me to realize like people don't just like me because I'm good at hockey. They can like me because I'm just a good guy or because of the other character traits that I have. So I think it can just go down this, this road that I see so many kids just, they're putting so much pressure on themselves because this is the ticket to mom and dad's love or to friendships or whatever it is. If that makes sense. I think you hit the nail on the head there saying, kids put too much pressure on themselves because you're talking to to two guys who definitely did that where yeah. you know i wasn't down the road where it was like oh nobody's gonna like me if i don't play well i think i'm a pretty likable guy um so that sure, wasn't sure. worried 
I wasn't worried about that stuff. <laughs> but like for me, though, but like the pressure I put on myself like that, it was like if I didn't perform well or or as well as I thought I could, like I would just I couldn't like I basically would walk outside and be raining every single time that, that you know, my, that my day was ruined if I didn't play well. Right. You know, my night was ruined. I couldn't go out with the boys after a game because I was so pissed off at myself that I didn't perform up to the level that I knew that I could, you know, or even as a kid, like, you know, I wasn't happy the rest of the day. And I was like, yo, grow up like that's not helping you, you know, and that's where, you know, people like you, I think, can make such a massive impact having guys like you on the show and like Craig and and, you know, sports psychologists. And these are more people that we need to get in front of youth athletes. Um, for this reason that, you know, I think it probably affected the three of us all in different ways, but all probably negatively. Cause can, can you imagine, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people often think about this. I often think about how, how well could I have played it? And at least known that I, that I put it all out there. If I wasn't putting so much pressure on myself, like if I could just go out and play the game, the game's hard enough as it is right? The, the game of hockey is incredibly difficult when you look at it. When you, when you meet people who don't play hockey, they're like, you do what? And you do it all on skates and you got to hit each other. Like what? That's so true. Right. And then you think of like, okay, now we're just making it a hundred times harder on ourselves by putting all this pressure on ourselves. And, and as you said, Jeff, like almost like living and dying with every play, living and dying with every game. And it's like, that is not I've been there. It sounds like you guys have both been there. It's not a fun place to be. It's like anxiety city. And at the end of the day, like it makes your performance worse too. You know, I think about like, um, you know, when I was a player um, for a lot of my life, but particularly when it got a little bit more serious and like juniors, college, stuff like that. And I feel like me putting so much pressure on myself, I thought it was something that was going to make me better. Um, And it made me significantly worse. (laughs) And like I was somebody like, you know, one of my strengths as a player, person, whatever, is just my passion, my passion for the game. And had I led with that and not led with pressure, which is what I did most of the time out of like good conscious, like it was because I wanted to be better. But had I led with like the love and the passion and, you know, the why if I love playing hockey, I would have been so much better as a hockey player. Now, on the flip side, I think putting a lot of pressure on myself and and you know, adhering to some of the external pressure too pushed me to be better. So I don't think that that has to be like completely washed away. But there's got to be a little bit of a balance of push, pull, push, pull, and you know that's a balance that's that's tough to get. And but but at the end of the day, like I really wish looking back, one of the biggest regrets I have in my career is not leading with the passion side, like not thinking about that when I was coming to the rink, not thinking mm-hmm. about hey, like my why is I love to play hockey when I come to the rink, and rather these these expectations that I felt like I needed to live up to. Um, man, it would have made me a much better hockey player at the end of the day. Yeah. And you almost, even just to reframe that a little bit, like if we could, if you could just harness that passion and that pressure. Right. But, but I think we don't have these tools. We're not given these tools. And I don't know about you guys. I think we're similar ages. Like I remember coaches calling me into their office and just being like, you got to play with more confidence, Gav. I'm like, awesome. Uh, sounds good. Where, where do you suggest I 
They sell it at Target. They sell it at Target <laughs> for four ninety nine in the uh, yeah the confidence aisle. <laughs> the, the confidence aisle would be if I could find the confidence aisle. If we could put that in a pill, man, we'd be millionaires, right? And you know the re- the reality of it is they they didn't have the tools to give me these things, right? They said you got to play with more confidence. How? Like I don't know how. Well, you just got to go out there and be confident. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? So, and then, and then, you know, you've got this passion piece where it's like, yeah, if you could lead with passion and you could harness this, this pressure, like you said, Tof, like if you can harness that, that's you're, you're locked in and you're good to go. Then you can at least let your skills shine through. And if the skills don't like, if the skills aren't good enough to get there, if the engine's not there, that's fine. But it feels like to me, and it pr- probably feels like to you guys, we had the engine to go a little further than we could have. And we kind of capped it out. Yeah. And the pressure like Vex kind of what you said and Gavin, you said it too. Like the pressure doesn't allow us to go all in because now there's a little bit of a piece of us that's afraid to fail. When we put that much pressure on ourselves, it's hard to, to put everything you have into something because there's a little bit of a block that's in the back of our head saying, Ooh, but what if? Ooh, but what if? Because that's really going to hurt if we don't get the result that we want. So we we don't dive in with both feet. And like, do do you agree with that? Like, I feel like that 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 fear of failure and that pressure kind of are second cousins, or maybe cousins, or maybe brothers and sisters. I don't know, but like, they're 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 very similar in that they don't allow us to really live that passion and put our full selves out there. Yeah, you nailed it, man. And I think this is actually, so I luckily did learn this in a business sense after several more moments of kind of the same pattern playing out, right? I had the same, you know, this, this ended my hockey career and then, uh, it made me have huge challenges in business. Um, and what that is, is we've got to reframe from failure means I'm not good enough to failure is feedback. And when we can reframe that, so this is uh Carol Dweck wrote on this a long time ago. It's the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. So fixed mindset is you're on a stage and you're performing for everyone. And that's essentially how we lived our lives, right? Everybody love me. Everybody show me that I'm good enough. And when I fail, that means that I'm not good enough, right? But if we could reframe that to failure equals feedback, because as you guys have seen in life after hockey, failure does mean feedback, right? The faster we can fail, the faster we can reiterate and change. 100%. If we can reframe that, then not only does it allow us to seek, almost seek failure, right? Because that means we can we can figure it out faster, but it takes that pressure off. It's like, oh, like if I let in a goal or you guys make a mistake, it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. It just means I have somewhere where I can learn. And that's that again, like you said, that takes that pressure right off of the, right off of the whole situation. And then we can actually like, let it fly because I know I've worked with a couple of coaches who are, you know, very mindset heavy. And when kids mess up in practice, they actually go over to them and say, Hey, like you, I want you to know, I like what you did here. It was just the outcome that didn't work out so that they can keep doing that thing. And they're not afraid to fail because they get yelled at every time they try and do something creative, right? Because that rips the creativity out of the game. How you phrase it is so massively important too. You know, I like, I like that you said that fail, failure is feedback. And I think the little things like that, little sayings, you know, Tof and I always talk about them and having them around and, 
in your office, at your house, in your stall, at the lot, in, in the rink, like things like that. I always say failure isn't final. This isn't it. Like the sooner that like it's guys, players, coaches, listen to this, the more that you can teach this to your players, the more players that you can keep this in your head. Like you're not, you know, whoever you think is the best player in the NHL or who's been alive, you know, or has been in the NHL best player since you've been alive, Sidney Crosby, McDavid, whatever. All right. They're the highest paid hockey players in the entire world. They make a mistake probably every other shift. They do something that isn't exactly perfect. So why do you at 12 years old, Johnny, think that you're going to go through every game this season? You're probably playing way too many, uh, probably playing way. And you think you're going to go through all those games without making a mistake ever. Like that's not possible. Right. And, and then getting that into their head that failure isn't final failure is feedback. Like we, we don't like the outcome. As long as the efforts there immediately, here's a teaching point. Okay. You did this. How about we try it this way and see what happens now? This is the way we want to do it. So do same energy, same approach, but let's do it this way instead of that way. And that's going to be better And that. Okay. Now they can go practice it. They can watch video on it. Right. Instead of like, probably how I know Toph and I grew up a bit and like, sounds like you the same where it was like failing is scary. Oh, I'm going to be in the stands. Oh, I'm going to get scratched. Uh, you know, that type of thing where, you know, that mindset, you're definitely not going to get any better because you're just playing not to not to mess up then. And nobody should be playing from that mindset. Yeah. And this is also, you know, I'll talk to business owners about this, about, um, you know, when you're when you're operating from a place of fear um and this is going to get a little woo woo. So, so people who, who don't All like, right, the we, we can do woo woo on here. <laughs> so when you're operating from a place of fear, uh, you're operating in what we call like a low vibrational frequency. And when that happens, everything you do is coming from a low vibrational frequency. Whereas if we can, if we can operate from a place of, of purpose of joy for the game, passion for the game, like you were saying earlier, Topher, like, I want to be creative. I want to improve. I want to get better. When we're coming from that place, it's a much higher vibrational pr- place and you're going to have much better outcomes energetically, not to mention the fact that you're going to have a little bit more fun too. Totally. And I think like, you know, we're we're a hockey podcast here. I think a lot of that, particularly in youth hockey, is up to the coach. What yeah. What kind of environment are you creating with your players because they're so just unbelievably like, um, what's the word? So unbelievably impressionable at, at those younger ages. And they just want to please like one of the fundamental needs that we have, like we want to belong. We want to be accepted, particularly by our, our leaders, our coaches, our mentors, whatever it may be. So like if your coach is putting out this environment that mistakes are bad (laughs) and you can't make mistakes, you're going to live like your entire freaking life in fear, let alone just like hockey stuff, especially if it means a lot to you, because you're just going to want to please and you're going to want to be accepted by, by the group and by the coach. And so like, I just, man, like we talk about as players, but like as coaches, it's so important that we create an environment where people are allowed to be creative. People are allowed to make mistakes. And, uh, for so many reasons, like, can you guys imagine if, you know, you made a huge mistake, one shift and you come to the bench and you know, you're expecting to get just ripped. Right. And instead of that, your coach says, Hey man, um, you know, obviously that wasn't ideal, but like, I like what you did here. 
Let's look at the video and let me show you how you could do that differently next time. Like how, how different would that feel for you going back out onto the ice for your next shift or your next game? You'd be like, okay, I'm not going to get benched or scratched as long as the efforts there, as long as the, you know, the passions there and I want to do it right. This allows us to be creative. This takes the pin out of the pressure, right? This allows us to just go out and play because that's the big thing, right? I'm sure you guys got told, I always got told I got tons of potential, tons of potential, right? Why didn't I live up to that potential? Why couldn't I, why couldn't I reach that peak? Even if that peak wasn't the NHL, right? I don't know what it was, but I sure know that I didn't get to that peak, whatever it was in my career, which that leaves you frustrated. <laughs> Looking back, were there other factors that led to you not maximizing your potential work ethic, discipline with, you know, sleep, nutrition, training? Were there other things reflecting back that that you wish you would have focused more on or maybe you thought you were too good and you were better, you know, when we were growing up, guys were, "Oh, I, I don't need to lift weights. I just play hockey. I'm better than that." Or I don't need to eat right. I remember one guy who I played with just all the time eating McDonald's, me being like, "What right. are you you're an idiot. What are you doing?" You know, and he played division one and like low level pro, but he was an NHL draft pick and never, never panned out. Literally the guy ate McDonald's every day in juniors. I was like, bro, that will catch up to you. What are you doing? You know? Um, So looking back just for players, because I I always think it's really important for us, you know, guys who are through the game to players who really want to get better for us to be like, hey, you know, like I, I personally, I didn't focus on this thing. Looking back, that was probably a pretty important piece. Right. Yeah, I think I think this is a bigger conversation about goals. If you let me riff on it a bit, I talk to people about goals all the time, setting yearly goals, setting 90-day goals, whatever it is. And coming from the hockey world, we get really, really focused and fixated on the outcome, right? So I want to win the championship. Let's use a simple one. I want to win the championship, right? Well, that's a great, that's a good goal. Like that's a legitimate goal. Problem is you don't have control of that outcome because you could do everything quote unquote right. And because it's a game with a rubber disc on ice, you might not win. Right? So what I say to people is we set the goal to determine the intensity of the action steps and the process, right? We always say focus on the process, right? Well, okay. What does that actually mean? Well, the action steps. So if you set the outcome goal and then forget about the outcome and just focus on the action steps, then you can actually give yourself the best chance to succeed. And to your question, Jeff, I didn't give myself the best chance to succeed in a number of ways. And for a number of reasons, one of those, I literally didn't, I didn't know any better. Neither of my parents ever played hockey. My mom grew up so poor that she couldn't play any sports. So they were just like, all right, we'll try and put it on the credit card so that you can continue to play. Right. And so that, that was huge for me, but I just didn't know any better. So it was just like, I like chips. I liked pop, you know, then though, when you look at like what other reasons I I fell into the stereotypical hockey player really, really hard because I realized people like me, right? 
So I fell into it and I made bad, I just made bad decisions. Didn't sleep well, went out drinking and partying, didn't eat well, just didn't, I wasn't very focused on the hard things because I wasn't good at those things. Wasn't good at eating well, wasn't good at working out. I was good at stepping on the ice and stopping the puck, right? So I just did those things. So, you know, yes, I absolutely could have given myself a better chance of success. The other thing is like, when I look back at the the tools that I had, I just, I kind of did what I could with the tools I had and the knowledge that I had at the time. So it's hard for me to be, you know, to feel frustrated or to beat myself up. But at the same time, I know that I didn't give myself the best chance to succeed. Yeah, I think. I think go ahead, go ahead Max, Yeah, go ahead, buddy. I I think that it's super important that that we can look back on those things and 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 talk to players, you know, nowadays. And I I think the whole goal for like me as a coach, anyways, is to get players to realize those action steps. Like pick out that that goal, you know, we we set short term, long term goals. Players tell me their goals and then I don't call them action steps, but I say, all right, let's reverse engineer that, you know, same thing. Like, what Bingo. do we have to do to get there? Right. OK, you say you want to be here. So every player that's ever been there, almost all of them, this is how they've gotten there. Bang, 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 bang. They do these things right over and over and they do them well and they get better at them and, and evolve and stuff like that. And so for me as a coach, that's just one of the things I'm most passionate about. I also find it's it's one of the things that speech right there. And it's a question to ask all the time because I had a junior coach who's a really good coach, super intense guy. But he'd always say to us, and I said on the podcast a million times, and I'll say it a million more. I think it's the most influential thing that I've ever heard said to me that turned a light bulb on when I was 17. He said, you you got to give it all. You got to give it everything, do everything you can, because you don't want to be the guy sitting on a bar stool when you're 35, 40 years old, looking back saying, I wish I would have done blank. If only I would have done this and this, who knows where I would have been. So for me, like that started my whole like trajectory on like trying to maximize all my abilities, mentally, physically, emotionally trying to get better at all these things that we talk about to be a better player. And I think that for the coaches out there who are trying to find a way to get through to some kids, like for me, that's a pretty, I found through coaching, you know, thousands of players now that that speech right there always seems like the look in their eye starts to kind of change. You don't want to have regrets. You don't want to look back and say, what if, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it. I didn't, I didn't play in the NHL, you know, only preseason. I didn't, I didn't get to, you know, make millions of dollars and play in the NHL for years, but I look back and I'm like, I pretty much did every single thing I could with the knowledge we had at the time. I, I do wish I would have focused more on skills stuff in the summer, but other than that, like I look back and it's like, I gave it everything I could have all the areas that I could control you know, I really focused on those and, and I don't look back with a lot of regrets and that should be the goal. And I think that's a great speech for coaches to give the young players. I, I completely agree. Playing the tape forward, right? Yeah. We're all going to be done one day. Yeah. Play the tape forward. And and I tell you, uh, you know, all that regret and all that, like, you know, untapped potential, there's nowhere, you know, there's nowhere to hide from that. That's for sure. And and I've had to do a lot of work. I'm I'm happy that I've done the work. I've had to do a lot of work to keep from trying to find that regret at the bottom of a bottle because I did and it wasn't there. 
you know, like the answer to that question wasn't at the bottom of the bottle. So it came with doing the work, the hard work and asking myself the hard questions. Topher, did you have something you wanted to say too? I, I feel like this is such a good, I think this is a really good place to take this, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, cause I know you and Craig are really big on this is, is the action steps. Because I, I, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. It's just my opinion. Like goal setting is the most talked about, but least understood thing in the entire world. And totally. goal setting is the one thing that if you want to maximize your potential can be the thing to do it if you do it right. And so, you know, there's the, the, the outcome goal, which is, you know, the thing at the end of the road. I don't even like calling it a goal. I call it a dream just because I don't think that's a goal. A goal has to be actionable and has to be process oriented. And so I would love to hear your opinion because like what I've learned from goal setting, like the three most important things is you have to write it down and you have to check it off. You have to write it down and you have to check it off. The second thing is you have to have some sort of accountability structure to your goals. Have an accountability buddy. You know, if I don't do it on this day, I got to donate $5 to charity. You know, something that will keep you on the straight and narrow so that you're doing it. But then one of the biggest ones that I feel like people don't talk about, and I got this from you guys and specifically Craig, like you have to understand what the distractions are that are in the way of your goals too. You know, and for a lot of people, that's like your phone. <laughs> for some people, it's the bottle. For some, like, there are so many different roadblocks and and things that will. Uh, it could be the snooze button. I mean, you guys talk about the snooze button all the time. Like that is a deterrent to to you know actually doing your the thing that you said you were going to do. And so, like, I, I would love to hear from you just like about goal setting and how can people take the actionable steps and what can they do if they do have a dream of doing something really cool, um, really significant in their life, whether that's in hockey, whether that's in business, whether it's with their family, whatever it may be, like what is the greatest process with goal setting to get there? Yeah, I got a lot to say here. The best part <laughs> is if you use this and like hone this skill of like goal setting and actually like hitting your goals in hockey, number one, you're going to give yourself a better chance to succeed at hockey. And number two, you're going to learn a hell of a lot about life because this really has nothing to do with hockey and has everything to do with hockey. Right. So I like to look at all of this stuff kind of like a funnel. So if we look at the dream or the long-term, so, you know, Jeff, maybe the guys you're coaching, they say, oh, I want to play in the NHL, or, you know, maybe, maybe it's just win a championship or whatever it is, right? The longer term thing is kind of at the top of the funnel. And then it all starts funneling down and it becomes more and more specific as it gets closer to current you. And the way that our brains work, I don't know if anyone's said this on the podcast before, but we have this thing called the reticular activating system. So anybody that's ever, uh, you're thinking of buying a new car, you see that new car everywhere on the street, right? Um, if I say to you right now, how does your left big toe feel? Everyone on this call is thinking about their left big toe, right? Our reticular activating system actually tells your conscious brain what to focus on because there's just too many stimuli out there, right? So what we need to do is we need to do what I call stacking wins. And when, when we're trying to be perfect and putting all this pressure on ourselves, as we were talking about earlier, we're probably actually stacking losses because we're like, well, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. That sucked. I blew that. I messed that up. So our reticular activating system is going, okay, 
you're you're a failure. You're a piece of garbage. You suck. And it's just continuing to focus on that. So when we look at the long-term goal as this thing that, okay, that's the outcome, that's setting the intensity of the action steps, or that's even setting the intensity of the shorter-term goals and then the action steps, right? We go, okay, I don't have control of that. I don't even really have control of the shorter-term goals. The only thing I have control of is the action steps. And really the only thing I have control of is the next thing I do. And this is where I love what Craig has done. So we do like three to five year vision planning, one year vision planning, and then we pull it down into 90 day goals. And then we pull it actually down into like a 30 day sprint, which we have like 24 hour, 48 hour, 72 hour, one week, and so on and so on and so on. And then of course there's like daily habits in there and things like that. But what happens now is you can pull playing in the NHL down to what I'm putting in my body today. Now that's huge because really this entire thing, playing the NHL, winning a championship, making a million dollars, whatever it is, all comes down to the next thing. And it's really, you know, to steal from the great, one of the greatest stories written, it's a yellow brick road and you just got to take the next step on the yellow brick road towards the destination. Right. And, and that's all it is. And, and then that's also, if you frame that properly, it's another way to take the pressure off. It's like, okay, all I have to do is make sure I, you know, work out or practice today and do an intentional workout, make sure I hit my macros today, make sure I drink enough water and make sure I get a good sleep. That's it. That's all I got to do. And then it just stack that, stack it, stack it, stack it. And then when you, when you look for those wins and you go, I, I hit my water today, boom, I had a good breakfast, boom, I had a good sleep, boom, I had a good practice, or even like I made 10 good passes in practice, we're stacking wins and our reticular activating system's going, hmm, you're a pretty good player. You're doing a lot of good things, stacking wins, stacking wins, stacking wins. This is actually, we talked about confidence before. This is how you build confidence step by step. I feel so, like I feel like you were I feel like you were made to talk to me right now. <laughs> like in all <laughs> honesty, like this is something I really needed to hear as somebody who puts a lot of pressure on myself because like the way that you articulated the stacking wins versus the stacking losses. Like if you're a high achiever, I call, almost call it the curse of the high achiever because when you're a high achiever, like you're probably a little bit anxious it's probably never going to be good enough. And so I feel like in a day, let's say I have 20 things on my plate that need to get done that day, just for an arbitrary number. Yeah. Let's say 13 of them are wins and seven of them are losses. I'm thinking about those those seven stack losses, sure. right? And as a competitive person, like the way that you just articulated it, like the way that I'm seeing it in my head is like, I'm going to compete against myself tomorrow. Here are the things that I need to get done. This is going to go in the win column. This is going to go in the lose column. What's what's my winning percentage going to be at the end of the day? And then have like a, almost like a um, reasonable winning percentage that I have to be above every day because you're not going to get to everything. You're not going to be perfect. And so like for me, like my head is in right now, starting a new business, getting back into it, having so much uncertainty. So much in my head is the stacking of the losses right now, the things I didn't get to because there's so much on my plate, especially with freaking three kids, seven and under. <laughs> like, um, 
that's just a great way to articulate it. And I feel like you were, what you were saying, you weren't speaking to a podcast, you were speaking to me. So thank you. (laughs) That's, that's amazing to hear. And that's like, if I can do that, my, you've made my day as well. And I'm going to take it one step further too. So let's say you have those 13 wins and those seven losses, right? And and even if you want to compete with yourself and make it 14 and six the next day, that's amazing. But you can brainwash yourself to focus more on the 13 wins than the seven losses. And when you brainwash yourself to only be looking at the wins and then looking at the losses as failure is feedback, it's like, okay, here's all the wins. Okay. And then these are great pieces of feedback for me so that I can get more wins tomorrow. And now we can actually use our losses to create more wins, which is a huge hack. For sure. And I feel like a lot of what coaching is, is just relating to the player. That's And it. like, for me, this competition aspect to it and like the, the stacking of the wins versus the losses, like it's relatable to athletes. It's very mm-hmm. relatable to athletes who like, for me, I think one of my biggest strengths as a player is my competitiveness, my compete level and stuff. And so like competing against myself and having like a format to be able to do that is like, I don't know, for me, it seems really cool. <laughs> But it's also like you said, Toph, and, and you know what you're trying to do now outside of the game of hockey. It's it's exactly like like Gavin said. Like you you got to kind of trick yourself, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're wearing multiple hats and you're juggling a lot of things. Uh, you you've, you have a day like you said, you know, thirteen and seven. Well, just like he's like, go to sleep and think about your wins. Think about the stuff that you got accomplished because you know that you just got to get a wind and take that next step up, whether it's an inch or if it's a mile, you just take that next step up and tomorrow it's the same thing. Like go after it. You know, obviously you want to win more than you lose, but as long as you learn immediately from your losses or you don't get to something in a day, it's going to happen. When you go to sleep at night, when you focus on the wins and everything that's going well, and then just be like, okay, I just need to do this better. This great day. I got, look at, I did this, I did this, I got this accomplished. I signed that, whatever it is, these things I got to do better. And I'm going to work on that tomorrow. Whereas we took those things when we were playing and we flipped it and we had 13 wins and seven losses. And all we thought about were the losses when we weren't good in our mindset work and, you know, learning about sports psychology and stuff. And that's all we focused on, you know? And so I think that, that, that flip is super important. Like Gav said, that's so awesome. Miss- I missed that pass. Uh, you know, I, I made that turnover. I'm, uh, you know, and we frame it as this like this great thing, like oh, you know, I got to know what I got to work on, kind of thing, right? But it's not helping us. It's really not helping us in any way, right? When we do it that way. And actually, Jeff, you you reminded me of something that I've used a bunch in my life, and I teach my business coaching clients and. If I had had this when I was playing hockey, this would have shifted it. So a little trick you can use is if you do any journaling, um, or even if you don't grab a freaking pen and a piece of paper. And, uh, I teach people to do what I call a brag book. Um, it can be as small as one thing and it can be as many things as you can. And it's essentially your opportunity to brag because I know you guys heard this. We are always taught when you, when you succeed, put it on your teammates. And when you fail, put it on yourself, right? Take the responsibility. Unfortunately, I took that in, I internalized that to like, I'm a piece of shit and everyone else is great. Right. And so can we like 
get some brags going like, yeah, you know, I got out of bed on time this morning. I, I ate my, you know, I, I ate my, ate my fruit and veggies today. I, like I said, I, I, I was on the ice early for practice, like blah, 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 whatever it is, hit your brags. And then you're again, starting to reprint, reprogram that reticular activating system to stack wins and to look for wins, which is super important. My mom always would say to us, like after, after, game she'd say to me like when we got in the car like okay it's not bragging when it's to mom and dad if you want to tell us what you're doing really well that's great but to everyone else it is bragging but to dad and i you can tell us all the great stuff you did and i always thought that that was really cool it allowed me to like talk about the things i was doing well made me feel good about myself to tell them you know oh did you see that goal it was so nasty Tope gave me a sick pass and i obviously (laughs) buried it you know, like what, whatever, whatever it was. Um, so any parents out there like that, that, and, and they also taught me the difference. Like, like there was a delineation. Like if you're walking around right. telling everybody this stuff, yeah, you're bragging, but you can always brag to mom and dad and it'll stay with us. So I, I really like that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. What a, what a great opportunity to just let it out and feel good about yourself. You know, Colleen's a great lady. Love you, mom. Know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen loves her baby boy. Her baby boy, Jeffrey. <laughs> oh, I, well, this is like unreal stuff here, Gavin. And um, like, thank you. I want to, it's so much of it is like so applicable to life. Like everything that we're talking about from a hockey standpoint are things that life wise, like this is why we play, you know, the, and like I specifically kind of want to talk to the parents here because I'm a, a parent. I got three kids, six, four, and two. And I feel like, the hardest we are on ourselves are as parents. Like, cause you want, once you become a parent, it's not about you anymore. It's about your kids. And so like, I know from personal experience and just like my wife and, and talking to other parents out there, like there is nobody harder on themselves as, as parents. Cause you F up 90 times a day <laughs> or they don't listen 90 times a day or whatever it may be, you know? And, and I just feel like, you know, what, what Vex is talking about right now, but like giving yourself a little bit of a grace and then creating an environment where your kids can be themselves around you is like so massively important, but so hard. And so like all the things that we're talking about right now, like are so unbelievably applicable to everything that we do, not just sports. And that's the beauty of sports is it teaches us all these life lessons and, um, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a parent. Um, I've seen a lot of parents. I have parents, like you said, you know, I think everyone's doing their best, but one of the things to think about as a parent is like the best, the best thing I ever heard from someone on parenting was, and she said it a little differently, but you're going to mess them up no matter what. So just show up with as much love as you can. And if you can come from that place and recognize, like, I'm going to show up with love like your performance at this sport doesn't make me love you any more or less. I still love you as much as I would anyway. Um, so let's talk about it and let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the process as we go. Cause you know, I think one of the things I'm sad about is that I, w- I wasn't able, like, I'm just not able to play anymore. Cause I just don't want to. And I wish that I could have like, you know, had a, like a lifelong sport. Now I've got other sports that I play and probably take them too seriously, but, uh, like slow pitch, I still <laughs> think about slow pitch too often. Um, but 
you know, you want to create things that are bigger than maybe making pro hockey or whatever it is, right? Like you want to create these opportunities to play lifelong sports and, and to learn the lessons that we got to learn. We were lucky enough to learn these lessons. Right. So, um, I, I appreciate that. And I agree with you. The parenting piece is huge and you can, yeah, apply anything that we've said, remove the word hockey and put the word parent in front of it. Love that. I told if I was just going to say, all I thought of was something ridiculous hit, hit, hitting bombs and dating moms and slow pitch. <laughs> that's all I could think about. I'm sorry. Shocker. That's where your mind went. <laughs> savage. Just an absolute <laughs> savage. Um, well, Craig or Craig, I call you Craig Gavin. <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you kind of along these similar lines, but like you have the opportunity to work with some high achieving people in, in your profession and your line of work. And I'm always curious as to what's in the DNA of really, really, really high achieving people. Um, that's that's like just my lifelong kind of curiosity is is just finding out what it is about people that allows them to maximize their potential, be really great at what they do, but at the same time really love what they do and have passion for it as well. Um, so for yourself, just, you know, doing a little bit of research and looking a little bit through your Instagram and some of the things that you're doing, um, you know, what, what are some, what are some things that high achieving people do? What are some of the commonalities of some of these great entrepreneurs that you're working with or great athletes that you've had the opportunity to play with, um, throughout your career? Like what, what ties them together? Are there certain commonalities between those people? Yes, there are. Um, it's funny because we, we ask these, you know, a lot of people ask these questions and they think it's going to be like, you know, their habits and things like that. Right. You think, oh, they wake up early or they do these things. And there's actually been a study done on this, but three traits of the, of the most successful people on the planet. Uh, I don't know how they actually measured success, but this was really fascinating to me. So the first trait is the most successful people in the world have a superiority complex. They are delusional in that they think they can accomplish amazing things, right? Play pro hockey, build a million dollar business out of nothing, whatever it is, they have this superiority complex. And really what it is, is they have this like big thing pulling them forward, right? Like pulling them, they're, they're being pulled towards this great thing, right? The second thing that across the board, the most successful people have is impulse control. They're able to stay focused on the action steps, the process towards their goal for long periods of time without being distracted. Now that it could be in a day where they're like, stay focused on their workout or stay focused on their work for a long period of time without being distracted, or it could be over years, decades, right? A full career. They're focused right? So those are two of the three. The third one is surprising. Okay. The most successful people on the planet, the third trait that they all share is they have massive insecurity and fear of failure. Now, what's fascinating about that is they know how to harness this insecurity. And they did a study um, on, it's not a very ethical study, on starving rats and they were in a tube and they tied their tails to a spring to measure how hard they pulled. 
And they started by putting like wafting cheese in front of them, like the smell of cheese. And they measured how hard they, how hard they pulled, right. To see how, like how much they wanted it. Then on top of the cheese, they put the smell of a cat behind them and they pulled like 10 times harder. So this is important to recognize. We need something pulling us forward, the superiority complex. And we also need something pushing us like this fear of failure. Like I don't want to fail. So that's like scientifically studied the three traits of the ultra successful. One of the other things that I think needs to be addressed is a lot of times there's a lot of luck involved with being super successful. And they're just like, they have all these traits and they're just there at the right time. Right. Like Craig, even you look at like Craig had these traits and he was like, he had an email list in an Excel spreadsheet that he would send like thousands of emails via hotmail. Right. Like he was like the start of online training. He he, he had to send them in batches of 50. Right. But he was like <laughs> at the forefront. Right. He had no competition because no one else was doing what he was doing. Right. So there was like this piece of this bit of luck involved as well as all of these traits. So I think that's just something that should be included. I love that you said that we need something pulling and pushing. Yeah. Like I, I love that. Uh, Sometimes you got to leverage the dark side, right? Right. And, and knowing how to do that and when to do it and how not to go too deep into mm-hmm. using, you know, dark, dark energy to drive you. But like a simple, a simple, uh, metaphor of that that i use in the gym is like i'll tell guys to sprint as fast as they can and then i'll tell them you know if you if you beat your last time you know you you make to nhl and they're gonna run fast you know like just pretend that if you beat your last time you 100 make to nhl all right now we're gonna line up a third time and i'm gonna chase you with a knife and i'm fast so that third time they're gonna run their fastest time psycho pulling, but like pulling <laughs> pushing like 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 these things they're they're so simple but they're also like they're so profound if you can figure out how to do these have something pulling you also have have something pushing you you know like it's just gonna move you down that track faster it's gonna make you think of smarter ways to get better sooner all these things be more efficient more effective find your weaknesses play off your strengths and if you can do these things and kind of harness that that light in the dark, it's ma- it's massive. It's massive. It's a, that was something I was able to do when I started looking in and learning about mindset stuff. It was, it was that fear of failure, and I also used I'm going to prove so and so wrong. Yeah. I always had somebody in my head. I like like uh, um, Michael Jordan. I think he always talked about like he was always like playing against somebody and they didn't even know they were playing against him. Like, what? What are you talking about? I didn't even know I was in a game. Like in my head, somebody who like said, oh, you know, you're not going to make it because of this. There's literally one guy who I thought about my entire pro career said one thing to me in college on a drunk night at 2 a.m. And I literally thought about that for the next uh, it would have been 12 years. You know, like I'm. You I'm should write him. You should write him a thank you note because he's, <laughs> he's actually one of, of my money. buddies, man. He's actually one go. of my buddies, and I think I have told him, you know, years later, you know, hey, remember you told me I w- I was never gonna sign an NHL deal. I'd never play in the NHL. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you know, like like I thought about you all the time saying that. That's amazing. 
I think about that a lot, guys. Like, and and I specifically think about my experience last year at at Michigan because Nara and I would talk about this a lot. And I mentioned it earlier on the podcast: the curse of a high achiever. Like, there's there's always going to be a little bit of anxiety, especially when you want to do something great. And for us last year, like we were first year doing our jobs, and it was you know like just a lot of learning, a lot of figuring stuff out on the fly and stuff. And there would be times where it would be it would be really stressful really, really stressful. And particularly for him too, because, you know, he was, he was the top of the program, you know, and, and when you want something that badly and for us, it was like to win a national championship. Right. Um, and, and you put everything that you have into it, there's always going to be that little bit of insecurity that maybe I'm not doing good enough. Maybe, um, you know, somebody's doing it better, which, you know, unlocks this little competition <laughs> plug in a, in our brain, in our brain too. And so like, yeah, man, like that makes so much sense. And it does drive you. It 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 drives you. I don't want anybody chasing me with a knife down a freaking road there, Jeffrey. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, using that in some way could be <laughs> can be useful. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you about one thing, Gavin. One of the other things that you talked about, because I feel like I'll put myself on the therapist couch again. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like impulse control was something I was really, really good at when I was a hockey player, impulse control isn't something I am not very good at. If I'm being completely honest in my life after hockey, um, you know, I feel like I have like a squirrel brain where it's like, Oh, I'm going to do the, ooh, ooh, okay. Oh, oh got to do this now. Oh, got to do this now. Blah, 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 blah. And so like, what are some specific ways for myself and potentially other people that are listening to this, that like, if you have squirrel brain, <laughs> like I do, and it's hard for you to sit down and focus and, and do something for a long period of time, um, whether that's in a day or whether that's, you know, over a week, a month, whatever, um, what are some ways that we can help to, um, you know, strengthen our impulse control, make it a little bit better? Yeah, that's the best part of all these traits. So all these traits that I shared, uh, you know, superiority complex, impulse control, and um, fear, fear of failure and insecurity, they're all on a sliding scale. It's not a yes or no. It's like, how much of it do you have? So you can always get more, right? It's a learnable skill, which is, which is a nice thing to know, right? It's not like, oh, you know, Topher, you had it when you played hockey and now you don't, you're screwed, right? You can get it. So this is, this comes back to like a lot of the subconscious work that I do with people. So if in case people don't know, and it's a little late in the show, but if they're still listening, they're, they're going to listen to my crap anyway. Um, <laughs> your subconscious brain is 95 to 98% of your brain. And that is what like drives the whole bus. And it's your like beliefs, your habits, your identity, your patterns. So what I'm assuming is your squirrel brain is serving you in some way. And it's coming from a, from like a habit, a pattern, or like an identity. And I, I'm thinking there's probably a belief around, um, if I try more things, I'll have a better chance to be successful or something like that. Right. Whereas in hockey, a lot like, of sense. Yeah. you knew, you knew that like you needed to stay focused. You, you know, you needed to get rid of the distractions and things like that. Right. So, really the work for you and the work for anyone who, who is like, yeah, I don't know why this thing isn't working for me. Like if you ever can't explain something, it's probably your subconscious brain. Cause it's something that happened to you when you were a younger kid. And like, you just have this, like this belief that this thing is going to serve you. And maybe it did at a time, 
right? But it's not serving you anymore. Okay. So all you have to do is you have to go in like and make that unconscious thing more conscious. So like, for example, what I say to people is like, when you're doing or not doing the thing that, you know, you want to do. So for you, it's like when you're bouncing around going, well, I should try this thing. Really pay attention. Like what's the devil on your shoulders saying, right? Like what's the voice in your head saying to you that like, oh, well, you know, that you're not good enough at that thing anyway. So you should try this thing or whatever. That's going to give you a real insight into like what your subconscious belief is and what's probably actually driving the bus. Then we can go to work and it's a little outside the scope of this podcast, but then we can go to work and change that subconscious belief because then the actions get a lot easier. Right. That's unreal. That makes so much sense. Uh, damn, I got some thinking to do. Well, you got some, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the city right now. I got an hour hour uh, ride back home, so maybe give myself some homework here. So we call that some windshield time. You're gonna, you're yeah. Gonna be- oh man, when I was a, when I was coaching in college hockey, I had way too much windshield time. It was the <laughs> worst. <laughs> Just think yourself into an oblivion. That's um, right. Well, that's good, man. Well, th- dude, this has been so awesome, but I-, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit of hockey stuff because before we got on the podcast, you told us about a goalie fight that you had, or you said that Uh-oh. you had a story about a goalie fight. And also you were the emergency backup for the Washington Capitals as well. So yeah. have to know, for- let's start with a fight first because nobody likes a goalie fight more than we do. Like or yeah. maybe well, there are people, there but- is. There is still a grainy 2005 video on YouTube of oh. said goalie fight. Okay. You guys know. Um, and there is, uh, I believe the broadcaster says, uh, the guy that I'm fighting is a guy named Luke Shire. It says, Shire with another right and another one and another one. And down goes <laughs> Mikhail. So the, I always, when I show people the video, I pause it at down goes Mikhail. Um so oh, that's too bad. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so so basically, um this it's really interesting how this all played out. New Year's Eve 2005, um, playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds. We're in Portland. So anyone who watches the Western Hockey League, Seattle Portland is a huge rivalry, and they play every New Year's Eve. And there was like 10,000 people in the rank. It was at the Rose Garden where like the Trailblazers play. Like it oh, was man. it was a big deal. Um, and actually leading up to this, I had been really struggling. Like I wasn't playing very well. Um, I just was kind of like falling apart at the seams. Like a lot of the stuff we've talked about, my mindset was all messed up. I just couldn't figure it out. And, um, our starting goalie, I was a backup. Our starting goalie had, was injured. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm starting the new year's Eve game. I was playing so bad that our coach started a call up goalie, uh, instead of me. So I'm on the bench and I'm like pissed off. Needless to say, we start getting smoked and they pull the other goalie. So I go in and I'm just in a huff. I'm just in a bad mood, right? This is not a good place to go into a game uh, in a bad mood. And I, I can't remember exactly what happened. They're on the power play, I think, and fight breaks out, line brawl breaks out. So yeah, they were on the power play. So they had one more guy on than we did. So I'm thinking I got to get involved. I got to help out. So I kind of start skating around. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm just kind of like, what am I going to do here? And then I like, I never know what she's doing back there. Yeah. Well, that's basically what was happening <laughs> in my head. I was like, what am I going to do here? So <laughs> I stick my stick in to like, try and pull someone off the pile. And little do I know that their goalie is 
flying down the ice behind me, shedding his gear, ready to go. He gets there. He grabs my, my Jersey flips me around. I think somehow pops my helmet off. And like, I threw the biggest haymaker I could ever like muster to throw. And I completely missed. (laughs) And so I'm like fully exposed this 17, 18 year old kid. And I got absolutely pumped right in the nose. My nose exploded. Um, and then blacked out. I think he hit me with like four more. All, I still remember this. I came to, I was going down and the white stripe on our Jersey just went like crimson red. And I was like, this is not good. And yeah, towel on my face. Uh, January 1st, 2006, 3 AM got a steel rod stuck up my nose, got it broken back into place. That was a, a nice little new year's Eve present, um, traded 10 days later. And basically a cascade of events that essentially completely ended my career. So yeah, real fun times. Real fun. <laughs> oh, hey, but you got in one in front of a lot of fans. It's, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Yeah. It's like something like new year's Eve goalie brawl or something. It's new awesome. year's Eve goalie gets absolutely murdered. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Yeah. So yeah. And then um, other end of the spectrum. Uh, got the opportunity to be one of the emergency backups for in Winnipeg uh, for the, the jets, I guess, but you're kind of with both teams. You guys know how it works, I'm sure. And it was just a really cool experience. Got to like take, take a family member or a friend up to the uh, up to the press box. And, you know, you got to have the dinner, you got the best seat in the house. You got a great parking spot. You had to have your gear ready to go. And uh, yeah, I got the call. Um, it was, I was coaching, um, I was, I was like coaching goalies at a practice and I came off the ice and I had like 15 missed calls, check my text messages. And it's the goalie coach from the Washington capitals. He's like, we need you tonight. And it's like 5 PM and it's a seven 30 game. Um, and I basically had to get from the South end of the city to downtown through game day traffic, uh, and get there on time to get dressed. So I'm like, calling my girlfriend. I, I was supposed to go with my mom. So I called my mom and I was like, I'm not going with you. Get dad. The jets are going to let you come to the press box. It was like this flurry of activity. And I'm like weaving in and out of traffic with people who are going to the game. And I'm like playing in the game. It was just ridiculous and uh park on the ramp. And that was like the moment. So I, I got a hold of my dad and it was like this crazy moment where I was like, dad, like, I'm playing the NHL tonight. Like, this is ridiculous. And he's like crying on the phone and it's like this whole thing. And I just like had this moment. I just parked my car and like was getting my gear out. And I was like, holy shit. Like I'm, I'm playing in the NHL tonight. Like, this is insane. I just like had a breath, like had a moment. And then I walk in, I have like my Lethbridge hurricanes bag on my shoulder I had the year before I had bought used pads from Connor Hellebuck, like game used pads. So I'm like carrying Connor Hellebuck's pads and he's like right there as you walk in, they're like playing like kick around and they're like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm walking in, I walked to the other locker room and Alex Ovechkin greets me. He's like, Hey man, I'm Alex. I'm like, I know who you are. (laughs) 
It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. And like, so like part of the team did the physical, they got me all the gear. I had like a name plate on my, on my stall that a name sewn on my Jersey already. It was, it was like stuff that you can't even like write a story this good. And they just, I got to say, like, they treated me like a teammate. Uh, they were so awesome about everything. Um, unfortunately, like I, I got a few shots in warm up. I think I stopped two of like 25, like the first shot is Ovechkin. And like, I literally didn't even move and it was already <laughs> past me. Like, well, was, if you're the backup goalie in warmups, you're not oh. getting a low shot. Everything yeah, are, they, are yeah. they firing it in there? Even though, oh. you know, yeah, oh, they were firing it in there. They're confidence booster before the game, man. Yeah, they gotta, <laughs> Let's go they gotta tell this kid. What's up? Uh, <laughs> although I was the oldest guy on the team, I think I was like 33. Um, and then I go to leave the net at the end of the, like, you know, the half moon drill or whatever. And Ovi's like, get back in the net. I'm like, okay. And he just like lights me up on like six straight breakaways. And then he's like, okay, you're done. And I was like, <laughs> all right, that's it for me. Skate around. And, and I mean, I watched the game front row, actually wild part of the story that most people don't know Phoenix Copley who played the game. Uh, it was his second game in two nights. He actually cramped up with like five minutes left but it was a one, one game and he didn't want to make me go in, in a one, one game. Uh, so he stayed in, he let in a terrible goal and we lost. So like, I don't think I would have made it any worse if I had gone in and played, but, uh, yeah, it was like that close to going in and playing in the game. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And like, what's amazing is no one can take away that experience. Like I'll remember that for the rest of my life. For sure. Cool. Really, really yeah. cool. Really, really cool. Well, Gavin, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast today, man. This was really, really, really good stuff. Gonna, you know, go a long way with a lot of people who listen to this. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really do appreciate it. Where can people uh, find you? Yeah, best bet is uh, at Gavin McHale one on Instagram. Um, really ramping up the Instagram game these days. I kind of took a hiatus but i realized that this stuff you know i gotta spread the gospel you know these people need to hear this stuff so i'm, I'm sharing to. a little more amen oh, yeah amen well good stuff thank you so much thanks guys <laughs>